This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. We've been considering the woman with the alabaster vial. Uh, there are a few of them in the Bible, uh, a couple of them at least. Um, and we've been considering the woman with the alabaster vial found in Luke chapter 7. And there are, there are similarities uh, in all these characters that are mentioned in the four Gospels. In all the four Gospels, there is an account of Jesus being anointed, the anointing of the feet of Jesus. We find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We are specifically looking at the one in, in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and, uh, you know, where Jesus was invited to the house of a Pharisee. So let's read that. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 down. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house. Okay, this is Jesus. One of the Pharisees requested Jesus to dine with him. And Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say teacher, a moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And they were unable to repay he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, persons which are many have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man? who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hallelujah. Now I've been thoroughly challenged. Every time I consider this character, every time, every single time, I, I consider this character found in the Gospel of Luke. I've been thoroughly challenged and blessed by this unique account of this woman in this city. She held an authority of being a sinner. I just want to quickly place the context before you so that you'll be able to connect with what I want to share with you today. Let's look at the, the setting. A Pharisee by the name Simon invited um, Jesus for a dinner. 
and uh, we can make out from the reading of this text that many others were also invited along with Jesus because there were many who were reclined uh, at the table. Um, so this was more of a social, like I said, a social bash, more of an event, more of a networking dinner. Uh, and I was, I was trying to do some read upon the pattern of the Middle Eastern culture. Uh, it was a, a practice in the Middle, the Middle Eastern culture of that day uh, where the Pharisees would host events like this. They'll invite other Pharisees. They will invite other notable men. They'll invite other academicians and scholars and learned men and uh, important people into their house. The dinner is just a, a namesake, but the actual, the agenda, the itinerary of this event is, it's here they will have discussions, say discussions. They will debate. They'll have debates and, and I wanted to picture with me if you can. I did this reading and I, I, uh, I think this is credible from what I could gather from the different sources I read through. Uh, that the, this typically would happen in a place where uh, they have an open courtyard. Okay, think about your open courtyard. I can think about my open courtyard, the front yard, the front courtyard. And, uh, you know, the people who walk by can look into through the gate or through the opening and they can see the front open courtyard. And the table will be set in the open courtyard. Don't uh, picture a table like this. They don't use tables like this. Even today, if you go to the Middle East, the Arabs especially, they use low tables. The tables are low and... Whenever you read, they reclined at the table. It does not mean they sat on the table. It just means that they sat beside. The table would be probably this high, a couple of feet or around that high from the ground. And uh, the guests who are invited will be seated on a rug or a like a mattress, something thick. And they will be seated there. And the, the table in itself will be either circular or it has a something like a U, yeah? So a U because they can, people can come and serve them. So it'll be like an open circle, a cut circle, a U, where the servants can come and serve them. They can serve the wine, they can serve some food. These people, these notable people can sit around the table and have, say, debates. Man likes to debate, man. That's a show of um, knowledge. Talking about the ancient day, the first century, TED talk. People will just come and somebody will do a, you know, a presentation. They'll have discussions on it and, you know, different people will present their ideas, present their uh, findings and observations and that's how they went about it. So, this is what happened on that day and uh, the, you know, the elite crowd of Pharisees and the likes will meet in this house. It was where the affluent and the influential met. And the discussion in itself will draw the attention of the neighborhood. So, for example, today if we host a, um, you know, a meeting in the, in the front yard of your house, uh, your neighborhood will know. Your neighborhood will know. Your next door neighbor, you know, the few neighbors down that lane will know that you're hosting something. And they'll come and check, okay, what is happening here? There'll be uh, the hubbub, the buzz. So there'll be something that is going on and, and people would want to know, okay, what is going on here? So now that in itself was done deliberately to show off your connections. This loud uh, discussions were deliberately arranged that way 
in the front courtyard so that the neighborhood will know this is going on and they can they can take a look at oh oh look at that he's come oh that, look at that person he's here so the neighborhood will go wow they'll be so amazed at the people who are there the intent with which simon hosted this event or this dinner is not because he wanted to have jesus there but he wanted to show off his networks a network the discussion in itself will draw the attention of the and uh, the, the vips and the people around can eavesdrop to the loud conversations made by these vips they can listen they can they can listen oh wow they're talking about space and they're talking about they're talking about politics they're talking about apple products they're talking about the latest gadgets and they're talking about music and they're talking about you understand so the huh that's right even miracles and when the turn for jesus would come if it came he would probably talk about the kingdom yeah and um, you know what i like about i'm i'm going to come to that probably in a while but um so jesus was also invited he was definitely a crowd puller so simon knew that if jesus is there the crowds will be interested to to peep in and to eavesdrop so simon's interest i want to repeat it one more time simon's interest in inviting jesus was not really about wanting to know jesus or wanting to hear from jesus it was more of a promotional tactic an event an event so it's a strategy so if you have headlined you know there are a few names you know uh the the keynote speakers and you you give a few names and jesus is one among them okay so the fan following of jesus can also be interested i hope you're getting this like i told you last week jesus and the pharisees never shared a good rapport during those days it's very evident when you read through the gospels it's very evident that they never shared a good rapport in fact the pharisees they were always looking for opportunities to harm him they were always looking for opportunities to find fault with this rabbi jesus was a rabbi he used to teach from synagogue to synagogue so they used to find they were trying to find fault with his actions based on the torah and they will try to catch him at what would seem like an offense and they'll debate with him loudly so that the people because he has gained such popularity because of the miracles and and the wonders they had to catch him at the offense and prove to the people that this man is a fake so even even this uh, invitation may have had such intentions maybe they were you know seeking for an opportunity to find fault with him so don't think that simon was a saved sanctified blood washed baptized born again believer no because if it were so he would not have thought the way he thought few verses down the line so he had his his um, promotional motive he had this marketing savviness come into play when he invited jesus and that's pretty much about uh, the reason why he invited jesus and we learned last week that the reason why jesus came into that house is not simon's invitation and i want you all to you know flow with me try to remember what we discussed last the reason why jesus came is not because simon this influential pharisee invited him no 
whether it is Simon or Zacchaeus or, you know, whoever it is, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Nobody would dare to go to a place like Zacchaeus' house, but Jesus would still go. So it's not about who invited, it's about the purpose, you know, that awaits in that place. So in the house of Simon the Pharisee, there was a purpose. There was a, a divine moment of heavenly purpose. Huh? An appointment, that's right, an appointment written in the, in the books of heaven. For a woman who had no other reputation in society but that of being a sinner. No, I, I, you must understand, see, heaven does not operate the way we operate. If, if heaven were to operate the way humans operated, then the, the way we give appointments will be the way heaven will give appointments to people. But even when you read through the, the gospels, you'll see that it's the obscure people, the nobodies, the nameless, the riffraffs. See, the only description is those on the way to Jericho, the beggar by the street, on the street, the woman who was a sinner, the widow in that city. Those are the description. No names. Say na nameless. Say nameless. Worship is not about seeking a name. Worship is not about seeking a name for yourself. That's the first lesson you must learn in worship. It's not about, it's not about getting your picture uh, on the poster. Her name was not in the poster. Her name was not in the flyer. If it were there, it, if it was there, we would have known it today. But even Luke didn't know of her name. The historian couldn't find out her name. Say nameless. The scripture is full of nameless celebrities. Not the ones who are celebrated on this earth, but the ones who are celebrated in heaven. True celebrities, nameless. Now we see that a lot of them, a lot of them. And Jesus commends them. Jesus, Jesus will appreciate them. Jesus will say big things about them. Nameless celebrities. The woman with the issue of blood. What's her name? No idea. The beggar on the way to Jericho. What's his name? One name we know, Patimus. The Syrophoenician woman, we don't know her name. Do we know her name? No, we don't know her name. The Samaritan woman, do we know her name? No, we don't know her name. The man possessed with, definitely some of you would want to know his name. How can a man survive being possessed by a legion of demons? What kind of a person that is? No name, say no name. The only name that matters is the name of Jesus. Your first lesson in worship is that the only name that matters is Jesus. It doesn't matter. Nobody else knows your name. It doesn't matter whether uh, you, know, the, you are even noted in the gathering. It doesn't matter whether you are even seen by people or recognized by people. And she would rather have people not recognize her. She would rather have had People recognize her in that house because her intention was not to be recognized. No, her intention that night was not to build a clientele. Her intention was not to build uh, new relationships for the sake of a business. No, she wanted to have uh, a rendezvous with Jesus. She wanted to meet with this person who can change her life once and for all. The only thing that mattered to her that night was worship, worshiping Jesus.
So Jesus did not come into that house for the sake of Simon or the presence of his A-list invitees like we heard last week. There was something that he came seeking for. I told you last week, the father seeks true worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. That's what Jesus came seeking for. A worshipper who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jesus knew that he will receive that kind of worship from an unexpected and uninvited intruder. A nameless, uninvited, unexpected intruder. But what transpired in that place is amazing. Hallelujah. There was this woman in that city who was a sinner. She walked in, I told you last week, she walked in breaching the protocol. Say breaching the protocol. She breached every protocol in place. And breaking the acceptable code of conduct. What she did was not acceptable in society. What, what she did was unacceptable. Say unacceptable. It was the most ridiculous thing a person could do in that time and age. Unacceptable. To make things worse, she approached Jesus who was... Not only did she turn up to that event, she approached... She approached whom? She approached Jesus who was reclining at the table and she stood behind him weeping. She positioned herself right. There's a way you can position yourself. You know, sometimes when in worship I tell, come to the front. Come, come. Come to the front. Why? Why is that invitation given to you? So that you'll be able to understand your position matters to God. Where you are seated matters to God. Where you are standing matters to God. You know, Zacchaeus decided to go up. He wanted a vantage point. He was a man of short stature. He couldn't see Jesus when in the, in the crowd. He would get lost in the crowd. So, but he wanted to see Jesus. So he went up the sycamore tree. That mattered to Jesus. Because Jesus knew exactly which sycamore tree. And the name of the person who will be on that tree. There are many sycamore trees that Jesus is looking up to. Which you are supposed to be on. There are many houses that Jesus is, has turned up. Expecting to see you there. So she stood behind him. Say weeping. I wanted to picture this woman one more time. She came near Jesus. Stood behind him. Weeping. She did not stop with that. She knelt down. Say knelt down. Now you must understand how Jesus is seated. There's a certain way in which you sit on the floor. So Jesus seated like that on the floor and the table is before him and she came and stood behind him. And then she knelt down beside him so that she can access to his feet and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. And the onlookers were clearly disturbed by this audacious display. What an audacious display that was. Clearly disturbed. The setting. She did not stop there. She kissed his feet. And anointed his feet. 
with fragrant oil which was in the alabaster box which she carried into that place okay let's read that one more time okay verse 37 and behold there was a woman in the city who was a sinner and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the pharisee's house she brought an alabaster vial of she brought she she brought what have you brought to church today what have you brought to church today have you carried your alabaster box where is your alabaster box now when we go into a crowd we would rather keep away everything that is valuable don't we have that uh, habit we'll minimize the carriage of cash we'll minimize things which are precious to us we'll lock it up somewhere so that we will not face the risk of losing things which are valuable to us for those of you you don't know the alabaster vial of perfume is an expensive perfume what is an alabaster box by the way alabaster is a stone a translucent stone like a, it looks like a marble it's a very tender stone soft stone used to carry expensive and fragrant perfumes okay and we see from the other accounts that one such alabaster vial can carry somewhere close to a perfume worth 300 denarii what's the worth of the perfume that can be carried in one alabaster vial 300 denarii and for your kind information 300 denarii is a person's an average person's annual income one denarii is what you get for a day's wage those days and if you work for 300 days you will get 300 denarii that's a person's average annual income so what she carried that day in the alabaster box is what she earned through one year she did not turn up with something cheap she turned up with something very precious something which she cherished the alabaster box in itself is expensive and they'll put wax as lining inside the inside this uh, flask so that what is contained what is poured into this vessel or this uh, vial will be kept pure unadulterated and fresh in the other accounts we read of uh, the perfume uh, made out of nard oil spikenard oil huh pure nard that's right pure nard and uh, you know i did some reading recently if i remember correctly that came from india by the way that's a perfume that was imported that used to be imported from the east the you know this side of the world very expensive so woman with a shady reputation was performing a disgraceful act in the presence of prominent personalities that that's what i would call a a scandal that's a scandal in media terms that's what is a scoop for the media houses an outrage something disgraceful 
the woman herself was a scandal a scandalous woman and what she did that night was a scandal in the presence of prominent personalities hallelujah i want you to picture the alabaster box one more time like i told you it's a soft stone a translucent stone looks like marble maybe it's soft it it is used to contain uh, or carry perfumes fragrant oils uh, anything that is expensive and to keep it fresh keep it from adulteration and this one thing about this flask to use what is to take out what is inside there's only one way you have to break it it comes with a certain stopper and if you have to open up this container you have to break open it and once you break open this flask what is in it should be consumed or used immediately it cannot be put back there is no way stopping the flow of this perfume once open it has to be used immediately in this particular account we don't specifically see that this woman broke open the alabaster box but from from the understanding that you can gather from how the alabaster box was used or the alabaster jar was used in those days it had to be broken to take out what is inside the box what i like about this account is she came carrying she came into the presence of jesus carrying the alabaster box how odd it would have looked some elite class men were having a, a profound discussion on some topics which is not even known to her does not even matter to her probably she came carrying an alabaster jar of perfume in the presence in the vicinity of the people who were gathered there sometimes for you to worship you have to look odd the reason why some of you can't worship is because you are not willing to be hello you want to conform to the majority worship is not conforming to the majority worship is your willingness to stand out and look odd david looked odd he looked odd he was so jubilant he was so full of worship he was so excited and he was so full of exuberance he wanted to give it all he danced in such a way that he looked so undignified that the queen or the or his wife or the royal wife that she has despised him that she said how could the the next king act like this in front of public i willing to look odd in the eyes of man if you can't you can't give the worship that is due to him the worship that is due to him is not something that can be conformed to the pattern of this world today we are trying to patternize everything after the world how the world sings we want to sing 
how the world does things we want to do it like that but the bible very clearly says we are not to conform to the patterns of this world but we we must renew our minds and transform we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind but we have this eagerness to follow the trends of this world look like the world and that has crept into our worship that has crept into our music that has crept into the way we do church that has crept into our gatherings so much of the world the bible warns about it so much of the world in the church worship is not mimicking the world worship is desiring the likeness of your god and going after it pursuing it doesn't matter how you look doesn't matter what others say doesn't matter what they label you all that matters is you're pleasing to him i am my beloved and my beloved is mine that matters only that matters she came prepared with the flask maybe she was in that neighborhood that evening there is no way such a woman um would have known about such an event let's read that okay let's see if there is something it says verse 13 says and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the pharisee's house so, so she learned that jesus was reclining at the table so her response to what she learned was immediate say immediate imagine imagine with me so she would have walked by that road past that house she would have heard the buzz she would have looked in she would have recognized jesus or she would have seen jesus walk in she would have seen jesus walk in she would have heard his voice before she would have recognized the voice of jesus the face of jesus so what she did is she promptly went and got her the promptness matters in worship jesus jesus himself said from the moment i was there she has not stopped kissing me and all she he mentions but jesus also said the time is coming the true worship the that's the time for worship hello today if you hear the voice of the lord do not harden your heart there is a time for worship there is a time to respond to god i want you to know that if you don't respond to the voice of god if you don't respond to the opportunity that god has placed before you to worship you will miss out on that you will not get it back you will not get it back it's a very serious thing the church must understand this you will not get back the opportunities that you get to worship him you will not you must not take it for granted i don't think jesus would have ever attended such a dinner in that city after that probably that is the one event he attended where she had access to if she did not respond to the learning that she got that jesus is reclining at the table she would have missed out on the opportunity 
to worship him the way she worshiped and she would have missed out on the opportunities to be set free so breakthrough your breakthrough is spending because you're not not responding your head is becoming bloated your head is becoming so puffed up hearing all the word getting everything that god is communicating to you your head has become so puffed up okay and you become so thick skinned but you're not responding to anything you know what will happen your breakthrough is delayed now think about it you picture yourself in the place of that woman you are that woman that sinner okay if you can't picture yourself as a woman for the man's sake just call that person a sinner you are that sinner who had the access to draw near to jesus and express your worship at the conclusion of the matter god delivered from your sin and think about it this way what if you had not responded that's at the risk of social persecution and repercussions sometimes you must understand all that you desire from a man from humans is so futile is pursuing after the wind everything that you desire to have on this world from men is just a pursuit after the wind it's like chasing the wind and you will become empty If she wanted to please all the people that were there she would have just stayed home she would have still got her business running whatever that was i don't want to comment on that she could have continued with her lifestyle nobody would have thought about her that way the way they she was spoken about or thought about on that night she risked the repercussions it the what she did was like a public baptism ceremony renouncing the world and accepting jesus that's what she did that's what she did it's like doing the sinner's prayer in front of 1000 people that's what she did it's like responding to the altar call in a crusade standing up in the crowd when the evangelist has given the altar call that's what she did not looking at did my friend stand up did my friend go up for prayer did is she worshiping my husband what will he think my wife what is he thinking my children what about my children she did not worry about any of those things the only thing that mattered was this person is here he deserves what i have to give him i believe after knowing that jesus was there she promptly got the flask and rushed into that place she would not have struggled to fetch okay listen to this she would not have struggled to fetch what she had kept prepared for jesus i believe the this alabaster vial of perfume she had kept it for a while she have, she has heard about this jesus she probably would have seen him somewhere and she thought the next time i get to meet him i'm going to give it to him i'm going to break open this perfume and pour out my worship on him the preparation the alabaster vial was already prepared 
when she approached Jesus, she she prepared by getting it along with her. She carried it. Her carrying the alabaster jar of perfume was the follow-up of her preparation to worship. You will not struggle to worship if you come prepared to worship. Jesus is on your mind all the time. You will not miss out on any opportunity to worship. On a Sunday morning, you're struggling to worship. You're, you're feeling so sluggish. You're feeling so tired, feeling so disconnected. You're distracted by the, the tick of the clock. Tick, tick. You're distracted by the fan, the sound of the fan. You're distracted by everything. You know why? You have not prepared to worship. You're not prepared to worship. You will not struggle to worship Jesus if you have kept aside your worship for him and if you come prepared with it. She kept aside her worship. But if you spend on other things, if you spend on other people, you will have nothing left for Jesus. You spend. You look so spent. When you stand before God and worship, there is nothing left in you. There is no adoration there is no wow there is no tears there is no joy there is no laughter there is no smile there is no falling prostrate there is no excitement because you have spent everything that is supposed to go up in worship on other worthless things all you can do is yawn and sleep through church service but take it seriously it, it can sound so funny, but that's, that's the condition of some Christians today. All they can offer unto God is yawning. One, two, three, four, five. And some of you are like wondering, is he taking count of her yawns? This woman was a sinner. And if you go by the description of Luke and the uh, expression of aghast, which was in the mind of Simon, then it was it is not erroneous to conclude that she has met other people in her life. She has met other men in her life. Jesus was not the only person that she has met. She had access to other people. She had access to other celebrities. She was not like a, 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 a silo. She was not like, an, uh, like you know, the, the only person in the universe is she and Jesus. No, it was not like that. She was a noted, notorious sinner in that city. She knew people and people knew her. She was recognized by almost everyone who was there. You know why? Because she was a noted person in the wrong sense. So Jesus was not the only person that she had access to. But the thing is, she had kept aside this alabaster flask exclusively for Jesus. This flask of perfume this vial of perfume was exclusive for Jesus she could not find anybody else who was worthy of what she treasured in her cabinet do you have things like that in your life which you've kept aside for Jesus do you have things like that in your life which you have kept aside to worship unto Jesus or is Jesus only one of the many beneficiaries of your worship? Is Jesus only one of the many recipients of your worship? That was a mistake that Simon made. 
he called all these prominent people into his house jesus only one among the many one among the one among the many vips he was not the only he was not the sole recipient of his honor he was not the sole recipient of his worship he was not the sole recipient of his reverence in fact he gave no reverence to jesus now that's what can happen when you spend your worship on other things when you spend your wow and your excitement and your enthusiasm and your energy on other things you will lose your energy to worship jesus you will lose your zeal to worship jesus you are a spend person when you come into the presence of god there is nothing left in you all you have is leftovers all you will have is leftovers she did not come to jesus with leftovers she came with something very precious something full a perfume full a jar full of costly perfume not used for anybody else not not used upon anybody else she broke it and the only way it can be used is use it completely on this one person there's no recycling don't recycle worship don't recycle worship what you gave to that person don't give to jesus the alabaster vial was her heart the alabaster flask was her heart and the perfume within that box that flask was her worship for jesus do you come to jesus with what is exclusively reserved for him or do you come to jesus with what is left over in your life is your heart when you stand before jesus in worship is your heart full of leftovers it's all leftovers leftover of what you did yesterday leftover of what you did day before leftover of what you did for the through the last one week and the leftover you give to jesus okay now you can take this this is what is left of me he does not need your leftovers Jesus does not need your leftovers. Don't give Jesus your leftovers. On a daily basis, what kind of worship do you offer unto him? Do you offer unto him what is precious to you or do you offer unto him what remains, the balance? Is that what you offer unto him? On a Sunday morning do you come before him with your very best or do you come before him with your remains an entire year's earnings was lavishly poured out at the feet of Jesus the entire year's earnings was poured at the feet of Jesus the other accounts where when uh, the the woman who came and uh, you know poured the the costly perfume at the feet of jesus the problem the people had that day or those in those incidents were was this they all said i mean isn't this such a waste uh judas said judas whispered that this could have been used for some other purpose there are so many poor people could have been used for charity jesus rebuked him you can be lavish in your worship only if you know that what you have is all for him you can be lavish in worship only if you know what you have is 
for him if you don't have that conviction if you don't have that knowledge then cannot be lavish in worship you will still be very stingy where all you can give unto jesus will be leftovers of you remains of you and this broken piece and that broken part and this edge and that corner because you don't know you don't carry the knowledge that what you have is for jesus but when you know that what you have is for jesus you can be so lavish in worship because you're not you're not struggling with the thought oh what but what if i if i spend all this on him then what will i what will i do if if i give all my time to serving jesus then how will i live no there's no confusion you know why because you have come to the conclusion that what i have and what i am is for jesus it'll set you free it'll change the way you live your life all to jesus it's easy to sing the song all to jesus you can sing that you can roll off the bed and sing the song but do you really mean it do you really mean it do you really really mean it your your approach to worship your approach to serving god are you still struggling with second thoughts like but what about the food on the table but what about my sustenance what about my future what about my connections and i told you a worshipper is most often nameless person is nameless he seeks no name for himself she seeks no name for herself that woman sought no name for herself even today the glory of this passage is that there is no name mentioned she is a nameless worshipper because if the name comes in then there's no worship the only name that should be highlighted that should be exalted is the name of jesus as the only name you cannot be lavish with anything unless you're convinced about your giving you cannot wholly give anything with a divided mind you cannot wholly give anything with a divided mind you want to give something holy to jesus w h o l l y holy okay you want to give something in full to jesus you cannot do that with a divided mind like i said the alabaster flask of fragrant oil was a purest worship that was reserved exclusively for jesus the alabaster box of perfume represents anything in your life which is precious and cherished by you in your heart i'll repeat that one more time the alabaster flask of perfume represents anything that is precious and cherished by you in your heart may the lord reveal your alabaster box today may the lord reveal your alabaster flask today we all have an alabaster box in our life at any given point of time the question is is it kept aside for jesus or do you have other plans for your alabaster box do you have other plans for your alabaster box and when i look back at my life and i was think i was i was just meditating on on all this and the spirit of god was just just showing me things and revealing 
to me the depth of this passage and i was so blown away in worship i was tired physically but i was so um full of worship and the lord was showing me my past my life and the lord told me the lord showed me you have broken many alabaster boxes the lord reminded me at every juncture of your life there is an alabaster box which you are cherishing you are pursuing you are desiring you kept it aside but is it for jesus or is it for yourself is it for jesus or it's for something else if you have other if you have other potential candidates other than jesus for your alabaster box of perfume to be poured out on then jesus is not everything to you if your alabaster box cannot be broken at the feet of jesus then that box that flask in itself is an idol to you hello if your alabaster box cannot be broken at the feet of jesus that flask that vial in itself is an idol in your life is an object of worship to you for some of you the alabaster box of perfume can be an ambition which you strongly pursue you've been you've been running after this 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 dream of yours it's your life it your life can be defined by this dream for some of you the alabaster box can be a childhood dream for some of it can be a relationship that you're pursuing for some of you is a is a company of friends that you always want to be with for some of you it can be your job your career for some of you your alabaster box can be your your clique your your gang of friends for some of you your alabaster box can be your wealth your possessions your treasures whatever is cherished by you and remains unbroken before jesus is an alabaster box whatever is cherished by you and remains unbroken in the presence of jesus is an alabaster box i want to tell you something the lord told me when i was driving down this side this morning if you're not willing to break your alabaster box people will break your heart people will break your heart if you have not reserved your alabaster box for jesus and you have reserved it for pleasing people in your life those very people will break your heart they'll break your heart they'll bruise you they'll crush you they'll kick you around because the only one that can handle your heart your being your soul your spirit your emotion is jesus is the only one who can be tender to you is the only one who can be soft to you is the only one who can be gentle with you he is the only one who cares for you he is the only one who can handle you and i want to warn you by the love of god I want to warn you 
Let there be no unbroken alabaster boxes in your life. Let there be nothing unbroken in the presence of Jesus. Because God does not desire for you to be in sadness. He does not desire to be in gloom. He does not desire to be disappointed in, in life. He desire for you to be prosperous and walking in his plan. How often do you break an alabaster flask in worship? When is the last time you, you broke an alabaster flask in worship? Every time I had an alabaster flask in my life, Jesus demanded it to be broken and poured out in worship. Every time. Every time I saw an alabaster box in my life, which I refused to break, which I so cherished, the Lord will tell me, I want that box and what it contains. Even today, this Jesus that I serve makes claim. He makes claims on my alabaster vials. He continually makes claims on my alabaster jars of perfume. And I gladly oblige to break it for him. I can testify this with this woman that we are studying today morning. That whenever I chose to gladly break the alabaster box of perfume, I've seen breakthroughs. I've seen breakthroughs in my life. Every single time. Maybe not immediately, but I can always refer back. A breakthrough. I can, I can look at a breakthrough and I can refer back to the time where I broke an alabaster box before Jesus. Maybe it is giving away, it is giving up on your selfish ambitions. Maybe it is giving up on your dreams. Maybe it is giving up on a good life that you thought you can live. Maybe it is about you know, something that you so cherish. Maybe a good name that you wanted to earn. But if you're willing to give up on that, if you're willing to give up, if you're willing to break it at the foot of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, you will see a breakthrough in your life. Hallelujah. Because this God is no debtor to any man. The Bible that I preach testifies that there is no one who has left their, their father, their mother, their brother, their sisters, their possessions and this and that. There is no one who will not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. That woman is still, is still receiving. Her name, her nameless name, a new title is etched in history in golden letters. Worshipper who worships shamelessly at the feet of the maker. She's still the topic of sermons. She's still the topic of studies. She's still the, the theme of songs. She's still the case study in worship. See, listen. Worship is not in the songs that you sing. Worship is not in the songs that you sing. It's a misconception that we all hold on to. It's not in the songs that we sing. It's in the worship. It's in the sacrifice that we can bring before him. You can sing all the songs that you want. But if there is no sacrifice involved, there is no worship. 
there is no worship that's why i told you worship is not convenience worship is a choice it's a conviction it comes out of a conviction it it comes out of the conviction that better is one day in his presence better is the the way of obedience better is the way of commitment before god that knowledge is worship unto him if th- there are things which cannot be broken up at the feet of jesus which can there are things which cannot be poured onto the feet of jesus it is an idol now i have keep telling this to to people over and over if anybody has told you that jesus does not demand anything from your life he or she was lying to you and i don't want to make that mistake i want to tell you i want to tell everyone that i know if you're giving your life to jesus it's a big it's a big ask that you're responding to he is going to demand all of you all of you all of you i want to tell my children also listen damn christian cat listen you giving your life to jesus you are you you are desiring to fall after jesus you're giving all of you not a part of you he will be above every desire every dream that you have and he can demand all of you anything that you have at any point of life at any point of your life that's what jesus is about if he sees an alabaster box of oil with you he will demand it if he sees an alabaster box of oil with you he will demand it if he sees an unbroken vial of perfume he will demand it and if he demands you cannot deny him hallelujah so don't don't uh, pamper the idea don't pamper the idea that god is not demanding don't pamper the idea that god is not demanding don't try to make an idol in your mind of a god who is fashioned according to your your thinking if you think that the god that you serve is a god who will not demand anything you're not serving god you're serving an idol which you made for yourself because the god of the bible is a god who jealously desires you he's a god full of jealousy in fact his name is jealousy the bible says his name is do you how many of you know that the bible says that his name is jealousy he's a jealous god is a consuming fire he will consume you to the core of your being that's the god that we serve so don't fashion in your mind the picture of a god and don't try to serve a god in your mind who is not demanding you anything that is not the god of the bible that is the god of your imaginations the god of your fascinations the god of fantasies not the god of the bible not the living god not the true living god the true living god is a consuming fire his eyes are fire he jealously desires the spirit in you that's right he consumes he did not prevent oh don't break the box you can keep it for the poor he did not say that 
some of us have the thinking that's that's how Jesus Jesus behaves that's how Je- that's who Jesus is Jesus will say a hey woman I forgive you don't do all that don't break it don't wash my feet it's okay my feet is my feet is anyway clean my feet are it's already clean don't don't wipe it with your tears wash it with your tears I mean why you want to dishonor yourself do you know that it is such a dishonor for a woman to let loose her hair in that culture to open up the hair in public is a dishonor let alone wipe a man's feet with it so what she did see you cannot you cannot even begin to fathom what she did i'm telling you if you can go deep into every line every act of worship she did you will realize what kind of a worshipper she was in that culture it was it was a it was more than a taboo it was more than a more than a scandal for a woman to open up the hair and wipe a man's feet with her hair unheard of not seen but jesus did not say a word he did not prevent the the this woman from weeping he did not he approved of the act jesus approves of your act of worship he took delight you know when when i ask my children to to press my feet and i make sure that i let them know that i'm enjoying i i i just tell them oh it feels so good wow it's it's so nice please don't stop keep i tell my kids just keep doing it just because i'm enjoying what you're doing so that's what jesus did he did not say a word he wanted her to know that he is enjoying her worship he did not stop her he did not prevent her he when he saw the perfume oh, don't, don't even think of doing that don't 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 break that you can keep it for something else it will be an investment in your future you can sell that off and and start a new life with it all good terms we have what needs to be broken what needs to be broken at this feet must be broken as at this feet that if the if dreams are to be broken at the feet of jesus it must be broken if relationships have to be broken at the feet of jesus it must be broken if habits have to be broken at the feet of jesus it must be broken if circles have to be broken at the feet of jesus it must be broken there are no two ways about it it's an act of worship it's an act of worship in your human good thinking and all you might prevent you might think are you why waste this all this money it could have been used to feed the poor it could have been used to feed the orphans in the orphanage it could have been used for something else it could have been used for this work it could have been used for buying this in church hello what has to be opened up at the feet of jesus must be opened up at the feet of jesus how many of you how many of you love the song when i survey the wondrous cross one of my all time favorite hymns i love singing that i love listening to that i love listening i like i like just to like i just like to worship with that song playing it's such an amazing song so deep so profound and i like the last line of that hymn it says demands he demands my soul my life my all 
That's what Jesus says. He demands your soul, your life, your all. So don't pretend. <laughs> Something that Tijo keeps telling me. It was good if it, if it was not preached in church. He tells me after, sometimes when I preach, he comes to me and says, it was good if, 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 if we did not hear what you preached today. But now we don't have a we don't have a choice. We have no excuse. But that's the truth. He demands your soul. He demands your life. He demands everything about you. If he sees an alabaster flask of oil with you, he will demand it. He will demand it. He will not refuse it. He will not refuse it. He will not refuse it. See, what, what is amazing about this character is this woman offered what was not offered by the Pharisee who invited Jesus. That's the amazing part about this story. She offered what the man who invited and took the initiative for this dinner event, he did not do this. But she did this. All of this. Simon gave him no honor. She gave him the honor when she washed his feet with her tears. Washing the feet of the guest is a way of showing honor. It is a practice, a customary practice in those days. Even today it is followed, by the way, in many parts in the Middle East. Washing the feet of the guest who walks into your house is, a, is an act of honor, showing honor to that person. Simon gave no honor to Jesus, but she gave when she wet his feet with her tears. Simon had no devotion to Jesus, but she gave him devotion when she wiped his feet with her hair. Act of devotion, intimacy. She was showing that I'm devoted to you. I'm yours. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. Simon gave him no reverence, but she showed reverence when she kissed his feet. The Bible says, kiss the son. Kiss the son lest he be angry. Pay homage to the son, the Bible says. So kissing the feet of Jesus was the way in, she, in which she expressed her reverence to Jesus. Simon gave him no worship, but she gave him worship when she broke the alabaster vial and poured out the perfume upon his feet. That is worship. So what Simon withheld from Jesus was bare minimum. Say bare minimum. Sometimes what you withhold from Jesus is bare minimum. That it is customary. But sometimes Christians need to be taught the, the basics. It's a good thing to close your eyes, bow your head when somebody else is praying. It's a good thing when somebody else is ministered over, ministered by. It's a good thing to be silent. Rather than indulge in your jokes and your laughter, it's a bare minimum. Customs, say customs. These things what we're talking about are just bare minimum, customs. Now when you walk into church, being silent in church is a custom. Nobody has to enforce it on you. It's a custom. You must practice. You don't go to church the way you go to some other place. You don't walk into church the way you walk into some other place. Are you with me? There's a custom that you must follow. 
in church a custom of reverence a custom of honor huh it's a house of prayer not a den of thieves they made the house of god into a marketplace he overturned the tables he flung the coins he opened the cages i don't know what all he did and he used to whip to express his holy anger maybe we must bring back the whip not to use at least if we can hang it somewhere here people will remember oh because some of you don't know that jesus can use a whip you don't know that jesus you must know that jesus the jesus who used the whip you must know the jesus who who uses the winnowing fan the one who separates the wheat from the chaff huh the you must know that jesus who's coming to kindle fire on this earth you must know that jesus that's right we only know the jesus with the sunglasses who will go that's the only jesus that you know with torn jeans and all sipping a a can of coke but for your kind information the jesus of the bible is not that jesus the the closest of the disciple who slept on the bosom of jesus when he saw jesus in his glory he he had no expression left he felt like a dead man no emotions no expressions nothing more to say i'm dead today reverence will come only if there's a camera today expressions in worship will come only if there is a and only if there is smoke and light she had no camera do anybody here know how she looked does anybody here know how she looked you don't know why because nobody pictured nobody took a, a click of us there's no camera no lights no music no band nothing she came with what she had and she offered it that's it so simon withheld from jesus even what was customary the customary gestures of honoring guest washing the feet a towel to wipe the feet a kiss of greeting and 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 oil to anoint the head customary things practice in the middle eastern culture oil to to anoint the head some water to wash the feet of the guest a towel to wipe the feet uh, a customary greeting a kiss of greeting none of those things simon offered him nothing being a pharisee by the way and you think okay simon would have is not accustomed to all this he's a pharisee a pharisee must know all these things he must be an ace in all these things and the fact that jesus pointed out that he did not do any of those things also bears evidence that he would have done the, those things to other guests 
When Jesus walked in, he just walked in all by himself, just walked in and took a seat and reclined at the table. Whereas some others who came were like, you know, for in the eyes of Simon, they were more prominent than Jesus. Now there may be people that you value more than Jesus. That you place above Jesus. To them you will give the customary greetings and uh, what really breaks me is when I consider if this place was your office, how would you behave? So we all have been to school, we all have been to college, we all have, some of us have worked or are working. You know how to behave in institutions, earthly institutions. You know what, how to follow the rules. You know the timings. You know the, you know everything. You know the protocol and you follow it to the T. But why when it comes to, to church, why the, the slack? Why the slack? Is it because you, you are taught like that? Are you taught that in church everything goes? Is it a wrong understanding that you carry in your head that in church there is freedom, there is liberty, so everything will go. This God will accept the way you are. That is not talking about your attitude. It's talking about your life condition which he can change. The Simon had, he, he was aware how to treat other guests. He knew how to give the customary reverence and honor to other people who walked in. How could he overlook Jesus? Because he had no reverence for Jesus. He had no worship for Jesus. He had no honor for Jesus. To him, he was still trying to figure out whether this Jesus is truly a prophet or not. See, if you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus is, you will struggle to worship. To first figure out, come to terms with who Jesus is. Study Jesus. Tell your neighbor, study Jesus. Say, behold Jesus. And tell everyone, behold Jesus. Look at Jesus. Consider him. Then all these things will come automatically. You don't need to somebody to like, you know, tell you all the time, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It comes automatically. When you walk into the presence of Jesus, you know the presence of Jesus is there. And you know what to give unto him. You are so full of worship. You are so full of response to him. You don't need anybody else to say, see, behave yourself. The decorum. Maintain decorum in this place. Maintain discipline. You don't need anybody to tell you, tell you all those things. You know why? Because you know who Jesus is. Those things are the patterns of this world. Patterns of this world. Patterns of this world. Where everything goes. The Holy Spirit wants to tell you. Everything does not go in the church, in the kingdom. Everything does not go. What kind of attention does Jesus get from you? Is he the prime focus in your life? Is Jesus the prime focus in your life? Is Jesus the prime focus of your life? Or does he come secondary or tertiary? Somewhere down the line, somewhere down the, the list Do you get excited about Jesus? Or are, are there other things that take away your excitement more than Jesus? Are there other people? Other things that you like to do which takes away from your excitement for Jesus? 
we are in a time where God is helping us in his mercy. I told you, in his rich mercy, God is correcting us. The Holy Spirit is correcting us. And nobody has to feel offended about it. Nobody has to feel offended and rebel against it. Just yield to what God is doing in your life. Surrender. Say surrender. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, let's go there. So there is this uh, woman, say woman, by the name Hannah. And there is this other woman by the name Penina. And uh, they both were the wives of one by the name. Say the name. Say it loud. Elkanah. Okay, so Elkanah had two wives, Penina and Hannah. Penina had children. Hannah had no children because the Lord had shut up her womb. So the one frustration, the one uh, distress in her, in her being was, I'm a barren woman. I'm a barren woman. I have no children. She, so she lived with that regret, that shame, that reproach. Though her husband loved her more than the other one, Elkanah loved Hannah more than Penina. In spite of that, she was never satisfied. Because she had this burning pain within her. I have no children. So the practice of this family was they used to go to Shiloh to worship every year. And offer sacrifice unto God. So every year they will go and they will offer sacrifice as a family. She will refuse to eat even after the, the customs were done. She will refuse to eat. And Elkanah would have to come to her and say, please don't do like this. You have to eat. Am I not better to you than many children and ten sons and all? He will say all those nice fancy things, but that will not satisfy her. She will still be so depressed and so sad, so gloomy, but she had hope in this God. She will stand in the presence of this God and will cry out before him, pour out her heart before him. And that's what she did. And the Bible says one time when she did like that, the priest by the name Eli watched her lost in prayer, lost in communication with God, lost in worship unto God. And he thought he, she was, I told you, you have to get ready to look odd, look weird in the eyes of people. So Eli rebuked her. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? How, how can you be drunk at this hour of the day? And she said, no, I'm not drunk. Don't call me a wicked person. I'm not a wicked woman. I'm not drunk. But I was pouring out my heart before my God. She made a vow, verse 10 onwards. And she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and the razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, 
for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and she, her face was no longer sad. And then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to the house in Brahma. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and with a three-year-old bull and one ephah, a flower, and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. And then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition which, which I asked of him. So I have dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. Now what I like about this character is even she had an alabaster box to break. Her one desire in life was to have a child. And she broke that desire open and said, if it's granted, this is yours. What is inside of this flask, this dream that I carry in my heart is yours. And when the Lord fulfilled the desire of her heart, she did not forget what she had vowed before the Lord. Once you break the alabaster jar, at the feet of Jesus, don't try to refill it. Don't try to get it back. Your commitment before the Lord must remain as it is. Hallelujah. Your commitment, the commitment, your commitment is your worship unto God. Your commitment is your worship unto God. Don't change it. Don't change it. The next season when, when the Lord blesses you, don't forget your commitment before God. One problem that man has is when we see some silver lining, we flip. When we see some, the evidence of some good coming our way, we change our mind. This woman who came to Jesus with the alabaster jar could have, could have stopped short of, maybe when she entered the house, she could have thought, oh, I, I don't think I should waste this jar. I, anyway, I get to see Jesus. I get to be near Jesus. I get to maybe touch him. Maybe I'll keep my jar here and go up. And worship him. Hello. 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 Are you with me? She could have thought like that. In fact, all the other things would have still placed her above Simon. All the other things that she did would have still given her the label of a good worshiper. Right? Weeping before the Lord washing his feet with her tears, wiping it with her hair, and all those things that she did, huh? 
kissing his feet, all those things were good enough. She could have thought, why spend so much? Anyway, I met Jesus. I could worship him this way. But she did not stop. See, even Hannah, we just read about this Hannah. She could have, she could have had a change of mind. Yeah, in that desperation I said like that, but surely the Lord will understand. Surely the Lord will. Once he grows up, maybe I'll send him to Bible college and along with his, uh, his uh, MNC job, he can. He can, he can do ministry. He can still do ministry. I've heard it many times. I'm still waiting to find people like, you know, such people. I've met people like that. Don't take me wrong. But, you know, those claims, you know, that sometimes people make, I'm just waiting to see my, my son get this job and I want that, this, this child of mine to do ministry along with good desire. But are you saying it from your heart? Or was it a change of your mind? You made a commitment? Did you have a change of mind? Once the boy grew up, now the boy looks so good. He's so smart. He can definitely be good in his studies. Why waste him in ministry? You can have a change of mind when you see some fortune. That's how the human brain functions. That's the problem with the human heart. Sometimes, you know, you're just waiting. Oh, I just wait. I just, I, I'm just waiting to be free so that I can do some work for the Lord. And when you're free, you're looking for the next thing to keep yourself occupied. So what about your desire to be free? Hello, somebody, 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 listen. Don't fool God. You can fool your pastor. I'm easy to be fooled. But you cannot fool? You cannot fool God. You cannot fool God. Throwing the leftovers does not impress him. He does not want it. You can keep it. You can keep it. What he wants is all of you. All of you. Everything they have. What I love about this Hannah character is she did not have a change of mind. The Bible talks about it this way. When he was still young, she took him to Eli and made him remain in the house of God. Mother's Day, greetings to all of you. May the word of God hit you hard. I bless you with this word. Hallelujah. Man, Mother's Day. God gave you three. You had no chance of one. I'm talking to my wife. The doctor said she will not conceive. She had no chance to bear even one child. God gave three. May he never forget. May we never forget. It was the grace of God, the kindness of God which came to us. The fruit of the womb is a reward from God. May we never forget when they grow up. May we never forget. May we keep reminding ourselves and our children that you are, you have to honor him in everything. And serve him with all your life. Hello, this is Nishad Dilipkoshi. I'm sure this podcast has blessed you. Do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected. May God bless you.